Welcome to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Basics Podcast. We're just two childless millennials who love Disney, Harry Potter, traveling, and all things basic. My name is Sarah Beth Miller. And I'm Caitlin May. And together, we're just two childhood best friends who catch up weekly about theme park news and different topics that we face in our late 20s. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're on our second Harry Potter book club. Yes. Today. Yeah. Today we're going to go through chapters five through 10. But before we get into that, let's do our booms and busts. Let's go ahead and get into the booms and busts for the week. Let me do my bust first. Okay. My desk chair broke <laughs> on me. Not I like went to sit- fell on you, more like you sat down and it collapsed underneath you. <laughs> yes. I went to sit down and it just completely like went out. I mean, it's been broken for a while now, but I've been, you know, trying to, you know, like make it last so I wouldn't have to mm-hmm. buy a new chair. So I guess now's the time that I have to buy a new chair. Yeah, that's for sure. But on a brighter note, um, we are a week away from launch for my subscription box. That is so insane. Do you feel like the pressure's on? Yes, it's, there's so many things that we need to do before we launch. And it's just like, that deadline is just creeping closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. And then it's just basically, we're going to blink and it's here. Yeah, that's insane. What about you? Um, so I'll start with my bust. It's a sad one. We actually had a family member pass away this week. My Oh no, that's I'm sorry. Yeah, my grandmother's brother got sick really fast. And so, you know, it's it's always harder when you're like you don't have time to process it. Right. Um when it's just like something out of the blue and random. So that has been really sad this week, but my boom for this week has definitely been Hamill film. I have watched it probably like four times already. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. It's on oh our list to watch, but I need I need like a long interrupted time. Yeah. Yeah. to watch it. Yeah, that's Maybe for this sure. weekend. It's a it's definitely like a time time suck yeah it's yeah, so definitely, good though definitely need uh, a whole day to watch it it's so good i think i've been annoying john with how much i've watched it and i'm like hey we should watch hamilton and he's like we've already watched that and i'm like okay i'll just watch by myself <laughs> i'll just like play it in the background just yeah that's about it. yes that's one of the things that i've been doing like other than like sometimes i'll listen to podcasts or like like random instrumental music when I'm working, but it has been just a Hamill film on repeat. Just in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't think that I've just like done nothing with my life and like spent hours just watching this over and over again. It's I mean, only been like twice that I've actually sat down without doing and anything else it. and watched it. Yeah. So what have you been obsessed with this week? <laughs> So I have been obsessed with the magnetic eyelashes. 
that are like really popular. Yeah, I've been wanting to try some. I have too, and I finally bought some. I bought like a drugstore brand just because like the actual starter kit is like pretty expensive from like Mm -hmm. a lot of the brands that you see online. So I wanted to try, you know, a cheaper version to see if I kind of like it before I just like, you know, I completely invest in it. So I did a little test on my hand last night to make sure that like, I don't know. I wouldn't have an allergic reaction to the <laughs> eyeliner. And it stuck on pretty well. I don't think they're as good as, like, the ones that you see online. But, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I just – I really need to just, like, wear them during the day to, like, kind of get used to them. Because, like, I've – I'm a person who never wears lashes ever. Mm-hmm. The only time I've had false lashes was for the wedding. What about you? So I recently got my FabFitFun box in, speaking of subscription boxes, um, and inside it was a wireless charger, and it's so cute. I've been wanting a wireless charger, but this one is like a collaboration with Yumi Kim, and Uh it's so cute. It's floral. That is really cute. I think I need one for my desk. I think you do, too. But now we can move on to some Disney news. We have quite a bit of Disney news, which we say that every week, but we actually have some (laughs) decent Disney news this week. Some pretty good news, yeah. I don't know why we just said pretty good news, because this is not a good news story, but... This is the only sad part, but... (laughs) Um, Last episode, I mentioned that my sister had decided to to not go to the DCP just because of all the uncertainty, which RIP because me and Sarah Beth had this bomb episode planned about what it was like working for Disney and (laughs) that's not going to happen. But as of this week, Disney has put out an official statement that the DCP fall and winter semester are officially canceled, which I mean, it really does make sense because they're looking at lower capacity. I feel like they really don't need it as much manpower as the DCP supplies them. So um, it really does make sense, but kind of sad. And happier news. So Disney has started cast member previews, which has started today, which this is July 7th. Yeah, as of this recording. Yeah, so as of this recording, yeah. yeah, which was July 7th, which obviously everyone knows that Disney is opening on the 11th, and then Mm -hmm. Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom on the 11th, and then Epcot and Hollywood Studios on the 15th. So Mm -hmm. basically, like, they're going to do cast member previews, and then they'll do pass holder later in the week. Um, So we'll kind of see how that kind of happens. Yeah, it Um, should be interesting to tell you guys actually how it goes. Yeah, I can't wait for, like, a lot of the local YouTubers to come out with videos and, like, all yes. that. So that way we can, we can kind of see what's what's it like. But the next piece of news is I kind of want to get your opinion on. The Magic Kingdom castle is now a different color. <laughs> and supposedly it's completed, but I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that either. I've seen so many mixed feelings on the new colors i i don't like it i feel like the top half is beautiful it's beautiful the pink and blue the pink and blue is beautiful the bottom is still gray so if it's finished why is it three-toned 
But if it's not finished, then like, okay, let's wait it out and see. But we don't know if it's right. finished. But or I not, also so. I also feel like it's weird of Disney to open with an unfinished castle. That is true. That's very but at the same out time, of Disney. These are very unprecedented times. I mean, I guess just everything's <laughs> out the window at this point. Doesn't even matter. <laughs> no, I agree. Y'all want us to though. open? We open. We ain't done with our stuff, but we gonna <laughs> open anyways. I miss the older colors just because I feel like they were a lot more mature. I feel like it fit more of the Cinderella theme mm, compared to that this is true. pink, the pink and blue. Because Very I don't know when beauty esque. Yeah, I feel like when I see a pink castle, I think Sleeping Beauty. But when I see a gray and blue, I think Cinderella. It Hopefully may grow on better. me and I may fall in love, but I and I maybe don't know. maybe it'll get better as the colors mute from like their like time in the sun. You yeah, know? Because like maybe it just is throwing us off right now because the gray is still a very so subtle color. Yeah, and the blue is very bright and the pink is very bright. But I, yeah. I do agree; it'll probably like go softer mm-hmm. later, mute itself out. I don't know. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. It's a doozy. Yes. We've got, got lots, lots to discuss. Lots to discuss. Um, so just like I said in the art, I think you said in the last episode, um, all of the questions that we answer, we have gotten from alcation.com and Scholastic. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get on into the book club portion of the episode. So like last week, we... Well, we, y'all, I didn't do anything. Sarah Beth found all of these questions and talking points on allocation and scholastic again. So like we said last week, if you're an educator who wants to put the Harry Potter series into your curriculum, these are great resources for you to use. So Let's start with chapter five. We pick up in chapter five with Harry and Hagrid, and they set off to London for some school supply shopping in Diagon Alley. Uh, Harry is concerned about how he's going to pay for all of his school supplies, in which we then get to learn about the Gringotts Bank. And Harry explained, Hagrid explained to Harry all about wizarding currency and the exchange rate and then how like the vault system works in Gringotts and then the two headed to vault 713 to receive a small mysterious package that Hagrid asks Harry not to mention to anyone Mm, creepy Um, (laughs) (laughs) this is also the chapter where we're introduced to Draco Malfoy when Harry is being fitted for his uniform Uh, After this encounter and more school shopping, Hagrid takes Harry to purchase his wand from Ollivander's. After trying many wands, Harry picks up a wand made of holly and phoenix feather, which is a match. Mr. Ollivander tells Harry that this strange, this is strange because the sister wand belongs to Voldemort and gave Harry his scar ominous. So. The first part of chapter five does not make it into the movie, although the conversation piece takes place in Diagon Alley. Um, Also, the extended version shows Hagrid on the tube, but it takes place in chapter five. 
So it does skip and jump back on the film. So if you don't have the extended versions, then you don't get the tube scene, which is one of my favorites. Because it's so, it's such a funny, like, juxtaposition to see Hagrid on the tube. (laughs) Right. But it's also in the extended version, which I realized that what I wrote down was not a sentence. Um, No, I just, just going with it. I was like, that makes no sense. I'm so sorry. That was not a sentence. Um, So the extended version shows Hagrid on the tube basically where chapter four kind of happens. Yes. But it doesn't happen in chapter four. It actually takes place in chapter five. So that extended scene is like in a weird spot. And it that does seem sense. that they do jump back and forth a lot in like some of the, like in these chapters. They especially. definitely like copy and pasted stuff. Like, reading the chapters today and then watching the film, like, the chapters in the film, I was like, oh, they just decided to take this conversation that happens three chapters from now and stick it, like, right here in this random environment. Like, yeah, I noticed that. Or there was just, like, a conversation that just, like, never happened that was, like, kind of important. And it was like, okay. Yeah. So, what are your initial thoughts when reading this chapter? How'd the Dursleys get home? Where are they at? <laughs> Literally the what question. Happened? Literally the question that I want to know so bad. Like what like what happened? Were they were they in the like shack that Harry and Hagrid were still in? Like they did they just let Harry go off with Hagrid? If Hagrid took the boat, where did they how did they get home? Like what not that I actually care because like I said before, like I really honestly don't care about the Dursleys. Like they're just like after facts. But, like, also, how did they get home? <laughs> yeah. I, so I'll say, like, I wasn't a huge fan of the Draco scene in the book. I feel like it doesn't match his personality for, like, the rest of the film and in the book. Like, it's too much of a clashing. I do like the movie scene better that Draco already knows who Harry is. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like in this scene, he's like, oh, I don't know who I'm talking about. If Harry was as famous as, like, she had been leading up to this entire time. Like, Draco would have known exactly who he was talking to. Yeah. I mean, it's under the impression that Draco was not facing Harry at any point. But I, you would know. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And even, um, what's his, what's her name? Madam. <laughs> the lady who owns the shop doesn't even appear to know who Harry is. So, yeah. like, that's a discrepancy that I was just like, eh, this scene could have just, like, cut. Okay, this the the with the owl. Like I love the movie version better. That how you surprises surpri- him. Yeah, and then in the book, Hagrid's like, "I'm gonna buy you an owl." Like, okay, make that a surprise, dude. Like, here's the thing, though. It's so much more characteristic for Hagrid to ruin his surprise. I mean, I do because that's do so get that. such like a him thing. Like he's always like, "Oh, this thing happened. I shouldn't have told you that." Right. I just, I don't no, know. No, I, I prefer... do like the film better. Yeah. With him yeah, surprising I just, him. Right. I did like that version a little bit better. Um, also, like I said before, like, I don't understand, like, there's no time. There's no time preference. And then I feel like, especially in between the book and the movie, like, what day did Harry meet Hagrid? Like, when, obviously, it was his birthday. It was on his but birthday, like, but then it's magically September 1st. Where did August go? Yeah, like, I'm so confused. And then, but, like, in the book it says the next month, 
But then it's like the next day, like what? Like what? So like, what happened? That probably is the biggest thing that I had a problem with with this chapter is just the film had so like such huge time discrepancies. According to the film, when they're in Diagon Alley, like when he touches the when Hagrid touches the bricks to get into Diagon Alley, Harry still doesn't know about Valdi and his parents. <laughs> Yeah, and that, like, completely, he's already completely told him about it. Right. And so he doesn't find out about his parents until the dinner scene at the Leaky Cauldron, which I'm pretty sure is only in the extended versions. They, I haven't so, watched the unextended I, versions in a long time, so. I think it does happen. Okay. So. I think not, a, it's not an, ex, it's not as extended, but I do believe the scene is in the, the regular the movie. Cut. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's because that's say how that they have to, that's how they have to get to Diagon Alley is they have to go through the Leaky Cauldron. But I don't think. Yeah, but then it circles back and they're having dinner that night after they've shopped. What extended cut do you have? <laughs> I thought they only one. I have the extended version too, and I don't remember that watching that because, scene even though. <laughs> because okay, so here's what it is: they go through the Leaky Cauldron. He he meets Professor Quirrell. They go to Diagon Alley. They, like, do all the shopping, and it's in the alleyway before he touches the bricks that Harry asks Hagrid, why am I so famous? And Hagrid's like, not sure I'm the one that should tell you that. And then they shop for all the stuff, and then there is a scene that circles back of them eating dinner at the Leaky Cauldron, and it's right after Ollivander talks about, like, the wand, the sister wand gave you this scar, and Harry looks at Hagrid and goes, he killed my parents, didn't he? And that's when they have the conversation. Did I just assume that that was the regular movie? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I think it's in, I think it's the extended version, but I can't remember if that scene or even just a fraction of that scene makes it into the real ones because I haven't watched the theater edits in a long time. Is it after Harry gets his, okay. It's after Harry gets his wand, yes. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I literally just watched this like an hour ago. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Dude, I've watched this movie like four times today. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> don't know like, how you Like, I literally it. watched those scenes like multiple times. So now that I'm you trying know to what figure- I'm talking about, that insinuates that they slept at the Leaky Cauldron that night, which means the next scene that we see is Hagrid dropping him off at the train. King's Cross, and he pats his pocket when he says he has to go back to Dumbledore. So that makes me think that the stone is still in his pocket, which makes me think it's just the next day. So like I said, the film has a huge timeline discrepancy because if Harry's birthday is July 31st and term starts on September 1st, where the heck did the whole month of August go? Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to see. Okay, so the scene on the Leaky Cauldron does happen in the regular cut as well. Okay. But it jumps straight to the train. Yes. But yes, it does make it seem like they slept at the Leaky Cauldron and turned But if it the was a day. month later, if it was a month later, then why would Hagrid still be carrying around the Sorcerer's Stone? But like also Hagrid didn't bring Harry to the train station. But in the film yeah. he did. That's what I'm just saying. The film just cut out a whole month and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it makes it seem like Harry's birthday is August 31st. Yes. Yeah. 
My thoughts basically are the same as yours. One, did the Dursleys sleep in the same shack as Hagrid? Were they okay with that? Number two, did they leave? I mean, if Hagrid took the boat, how did they get back? I don't know. They have a mystery month. Are they stuck on this island? They have a mystery month to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was, I thought that as well. Number three, I love the foreshadowing of robbing Gringotts. Yes. Like, I, wow, love that. And the whole like conspiracy, like, do they have dragons down there? We don't know. That's just a rumor. Spoiler alert. They do. Yeah, they, they do. I do wish a lot of the extended scenes were in the theater cut because, again, it would have made a lot more sense to some things. Yeah, I agree. But whatever. I'm not bitter. I do wish the Draco scene was in the film. I do agree with you on that he would have known Harry. But I, what I like the most about this scene is we get way more insight into him not only him, but the Malfoys and just the prejudice in general in the magical world right off the bat. Yeah. And I, I liked that. that. I liked that like insight because that's such like a a huge vein throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. I also wish we had more information on wand law. Like I feel like we got so much more information on wand law in general in the books than we did when ha- Harry goes to Ollivander's in the film. Yeah, but I still feel like we didn't get as much as we probably should have to like preface. Oh, no. Um no. Which is honestly why Pottermore has been so great. Yeah. Um it's because you do get to find out the information, all that information it actually makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um but then again, we also have to remember that we read these books as kids and it wouldn't have made sense. Why does it take so long for Harry's wand to choose him when he visits Diagon Alley? What is special about his wand? And why does Ollivander say the wand chooses the wizard, Mr. Potter? So I don't feel like we are giving enough information just based off of the book to understand why Harry's wand so special. Why does it take so long to choose him and all this? So when you're first reading the book, you have no idea. Right. But looking back and still on my theory from last time about a lot of the things that happened to Harry is because he's a horcrux, which by the way, my phone could not spell this word earlier and it was (laughs) driving me insane. (laughs) I think it was destined to match with Valdi's wand because he is a horcrux. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know this at this point, but right. I, that's my theory. And right. then also because of the prophecy, like, Harry is destined for that wand because of, you know, X, Y, and Z that happens later when we learn about the Elder Wand and all these other things that happen in the later books. I just, I think a lot of the things that happen to Harry mysteriously, and I'm going to air quotes that, everything has ties to Voldemort. Like, mm-hmm. everything has to do with Harry being a horcrux for Voldemort. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that he basically has the brother wand to Voldemort's I'm wand. Sorry. Okay, Siri. Dude, she was recording everything I was saying. <laughs> so, for the fact that, like, Harry's wand is the brother wand to Voldemort, like, it's not just a magical connection. I do think that... Both of their wands were holly, right? Yes. 
I think that a lot of the personalities that Harry has, Tom Riddle also had. So I think that's why both of their wands, the wood is the same, but one was unicorn hair and one was a phoenix feather. So one shows the the split of I want to be immortal, but like I also need to be reborn or rebirth or shown courage, whatever, you know, as far as like the phoenix feather is showing in that aspect of it. Right. So you have the unicorn hair that basically signifies that, you know, Tom Riddle had good in him, but he also wanted to live forever. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Harry's wand who has, Harry has great characteristics, but he needs to rebirth as something else, Mm -hmm. which could be that Harry is rebirthing as the good, obviously, because he's the good in the book, whereas the bad wants to live forever. Um, When Harry meets, first meets Malfoy, he reminds him of Dudley. So let's talk about how these two are alike and how they are different. So honestly, both are very condescending. I mean, to put it short in words, Draco thinks he could get rid of the mudbloods, like, and everyone would be purebloods as far as, you know, that goes. And Dudley's just a spoiled brat. I mean, he doesn't think he's, like, royalty or anything like that. Because, like, let's be honest, they live in England. Like, they know the values of royalty and, like, queens and things like that. Like, that universe is still happening. But Dudley's just a spoiled brat. Like, Draco honestly thinks that he is royalty and that there should be no mudbloods. Yeah. Everyone should be a pureblood. So I put they're, they're both spoiled. They're both elitist in their own way. And you can see that more of like how Dudley interacts with his classmates. He's kind of always like the leader of the gang, which Draco right. very much is that too. Which like they we don't both know. They're henchmen. Which we don't know about because in the movies, Dudley has no friends right. until the freaking fifth book. Right. Then all of a sudden, he's got, like, a posse that's willing to fight yeah, for him. Yeah, he's got minions. Like, <laughs> yeah. when did you get minions, okay? <laughs> like, that was that was frustrating. Um, And I put that they're both prettier, holier than thou. Both pretty holier than thou. Um, they just have that, like... I don't do anything wrong, and I think a lot of it is how their parents have treated them, but um, I think the major difference between Draco and Dudley comes down to family loyalty. Oh, absolutely. Dudley would, like, peace out, bro. Right, right. Like, if it was an option for Dudley to, like, remain true to his family loyalty or, like, do something that benefited him, he would immediately... Like, just be like, peace out, Girl Scouts. I don't need y'all. I feel like Draco would be a lot more torn between a situation like that because family loyalty is something very valued in the Malfoy household. Last question on Chapter 5 is about wands again. So Harry's wand was holly and phoenix feather, an unusual combination. It was 11 inches, nice and supple. What does the wand being made of holly symbolize or prognosticate for or about Harry? Like, what else What else was special about Harry's wand? And we both took to Pottermore. So if you've never, like, been on, like, Pottermore or the Wizarding World, there's a lot of really cool resources that goes into a lot more depth of some of the underlying topics or what have you right into the wizarding world itself and 
into the books and films. So, um, yeah. let's talk about this unusual combination. So I got really lazy and just copied what was from Pottermore. <laughs> so you guys don't have to um, go to Pottermore. I'm just going to read it to you. Um, Holly is one of the rare kinds of wand woods. Traditionally considered protective, it works mostly most happily for those who may need help overcoming see, overcoming a tendency to anger. Um, at the same time, Holly wands often choose owners who are engaged in some dangerous and often spiritual quest. Literally freaking ding, ding, Harry. Ding. Yeah. <laughs> Holly is one of the woods that varies most dramatically in performance depending on the wand core, and it is a notoriously difficult wood to team with a phoenix feather. As the woods' volality, 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 yeah, volality conflicts strangely with the phoenix detachment. In the unusual event of such pairing finding its ideal match, however, nothing and nobody should stand in their way. Is that how you pronounce the word? I think it's volatility. Volatility. Yeah, pretty sure. Reading's hard, okay? Volatility. I think it's saying it's volatile. Yeah, it's volatile. Yeah. So vo- let's just say that because we can't say the other word. So it's volatile. <laughs> the wood is very and, volatile. <laughs> right. So it com- it conflicts strangely with the Phoenix detachment. Mm-hmm. Basically, literally everything that I just read in this paragraph talks about Harry and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. In like this is this sums up both of their personalities. It's so true. So like you have the Holly Wood that is basically, you know, it like it says it chooses owners who are engaged in some dangerous and often spiritual quest. That's literally the whole point of Harry Potter, is he's on a spiritual and dangerous quest because like mm. he die almost dies in almost every book, and then you know the fact that it's like a phoenix feather, it's still at the same time. St- stating that when the pair, like when it, the wand does find its like owner, nothing and no one should stand in their way, and that's basically what happens throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. Like you can, like you cannot disarm Voldemort because he's so attached to his wand, and same thing with Harry. But I, okay, well let me rephrase that because Harry's been disarmed so many times. I mean that's how he ends up losing his wand and gets seeing the Elder Wand in future books. But, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think, mind you, J.K. Rowling wrote this, so it's not, like, as mind-blowing as I'm making it seem. But it's also mind-blowing to, like, read this in your mind and go, oh, okay. It's just, that makes more sense. It's fascinating to know that you basically had the whole series prediction in this one sentence, and you had no idea until you truly read, like, what the significance of a Holly Phoenix core feather was right but we didn't know this until 2010 right Right. and then like so if you're reading the series after that you know after 2010 and you know this you just go oh okay duh makes sense all right well let's move on to chapter six yes let's go so like we've said before there was a lot of time discrepancies between the books and the movies but chapter six basically what happens is harry spends his last month of summer with the dursleys and then Harry asks Uncle Vernon to take him to the train station. And basically, Uncle Vernon mocks Harry for asking about platforms nine and three quarters. The next day, Harry stands between platforms nine and ten, feeling overwhelmed until he hears someone talk about Hogwarts. Here we meet the Weasley family, and he asks for help. Ron and Harry set off 
to the train and Ron introduces Harry to a number of wizarding things such as Quidditch, famous wizards and witches, and Bertie Bot's every flavor of beans. We also get to meet Hermione in this chapter who Harry and Ron both find annoying and we have another interaction with Malfoy. It is emphasized in this chapter that all, stu all students know who Harry Potter is and Harry is not sure how to respond to this new fame. Shortly, we are arriving at Hogsmeade Station and the first years are left to the boats to take them to the castle. Go ahead with your thoughts on this chapter. Um, so a couple things. We had a great conversation between the Weasley children and Molly Weasley that Harry overheard that I wish would have been put into the film. It was a great conversation and it it was just another insight. I feel like that's what I'm missing a lot in the films is so much insight. And I think that's coming from someone who watched the films before they read the books. You mentioned it is emphasized in this chapter that all students know Harry and Harry is not sure how to respond to this new fame. I feel like you did not see that in the film. Like, no, he, you he did not. literally gets physically uncomfortable thinking about showing his scar or saying that he's Harry Potter. And then in the film, when Ron's like, are he's you like, Harry Potter? Yeah. Do you have that scar? Yeah. He's like, like yeah, look yeah. at it. Like, that's I not just, what happens at all. Right. And I feel like, but then also, okay. So that also goes back to your favorite book of Harry. Did y'all put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> like, no, that's not how that was asked at all. Right. Right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was, it was just, just like that. No. I love that's that scene. A, that's so, the thing, though. Yeah. My other observation is this is where we find out why Hermione is not in Ravenclaw, even though I completely disagree with it, and I think it's a travesty. She should be in our house. Rude. Just because she, like, really values bravery. Blech. Did I miss that part? Because I don't... Oh, yeah. <laughs> why, is, why is she... She says on the train... She's, and I'm paraphrasing because obviously I don't have it memorized, but basically she says they're talking about getting sorted. She asks the boys where they think they will get sorted. And she's like, um, here, I can find it. She's like, basically, I she's like, I feel yeah, like we were reading. I feel I'm like we shooting. were reading three different books. She's like, I'm shooting for Gryffindor, but Ravenclaw wouldn't be that bad either. Did I honestly just like read so much today that I was just like, I don't. Probably. Oh. You see oh it? <laughs> Literally. Can you scroll down a little bit? <laughs> what? Scroll, scroll down, down on the drive? The... Yeah. The next question. Not the next one, but the following question. <laughs> For all of those listening at home, she literally had... The excerpt the where Hermione, <laughs> Hermione talks about Ravenclaw. Okay, so yes, that that right there. She says, do either of you know what house you'll be in? I've been asking around and I hope I'm in Gryffindor. It sounds by far the best. I hear Dumbledore himself was in it, but I suppose Ravenclaw wouldn't be too bad. So that shows that she chose Gryffindor. And like we know, the sorting hat takes into account your okay, preferences. Right. And right, later on was, in the books, she says she values loyalty and friendship more than wits and cleverness. So, like I said, still bitter about it. I think Hermione should be with us, but whatever. I'm a little bitter to Gryffindors. Sorry if there's one out there. Right, but how would we have been able to follow along with the trio if they'd have been in different houses? 
Because honestly, I feel like Ron should be in Hufflepuff. In Hufflepuff. Puff. Same. <laughs> Anyways. Same. Anywho. Um, that Those were my thoughts and observations on the chapter. And I agree with you as far as the conversation that goes with the Weasleys. Apparently with your second point, I just completely missed it. But I wish we could have been able to see the conversation with Neville and his grandmother and also with Lee's family. Yeah. I feel like in that shot of them showing the train and all those things, like those conversations could have taken place. Those are like, easy to keep in the film and not be lengthy. Right. It was literally like, give us a wave, Lee. Like that is the thing that like could have made it into the film. I, yeah. And like I said, I feel like the movies and the book is so focused on the trio that mm-hmm. we forget about supporting characters. Yes, I agree. And I feel like that's really sad because there's a lot more supporting characters that I would love to know more about. Yeah, same. So, next question. Which one of the desserts on the train cart do you think Harry enjoyed most? Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, Drobel's Best Blowing Gum, Chocolate Frogs, Pumpkin Pasties, Cauldron Cakes, or Licorice Wands? Also, what about Ron... And what would you like to try? I think Harry liked the ever uh, every flavored beans. I think he was very fascinated with those. I think Ron's favorite was chocolate frogs, though. And I don't think necessarily for the candy, but more for the like the collection cards, like the little right. And I, I feel like that scene in the movie from the book is very weird. Like it's same. not same because like. In the book, Harry notices that Ron is very, like, frugal and gets it. And he just, like, goes and picks out a couple things because he's excited to actually have money because he came from basically poverty, too. In the film, Ron's like, I got some sandwiches. And Harry's like, well, take the whole cart of candy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) We'll take the lot. We'll take no, the lot. <laughs> you take five items, yeah. but okay. Yeah, like, you take that much only because you're like, I don't know any of these candies, and let me just try them out and see which ones I like. Right. I also feel like Ron in the film is very, like, he's like, oh, we'll take the lot. And Ron's like, all right, cool. I'm going to just jump in on these snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, like, like, doesn't want to eat his snacks in the book. Right. I, know. I feel like he was a little bit more respectful. But I think I would want to try all of them except for the licorice ones. Licorice is disgusting. (gasps) No. Black licorice? My favorite. Ew. Jonathan loves it too. Y'all can have all the licorice because your girl don't don't want it. I don't like red licorice because it tastes like cherry and I'm not a cherry person. But I Oh, see? I will only eat red licorice. So Mm -mm. we're perfect for each other. I mean, like, I agree with you about Harry and Ron as far as mm-hmm. their candy choices, but I do disagree with you on licorice because I would be trying, I'd be like, I'll take the lot. Ew, gross. I would let you have it. Chocolate frogs, on the other hand, I'd be eating my way through but them like, chocolate frogs. But yeah. here's the thing, like, they move and they act like a frog. Yeah, that's so fun. I've never been a fan of frog, so just the fact <laughs> oh. that, like... It's like hops around. I'd have to be like, no, stay still. Why do Harry and Ron dislike Hermione in the beginning? How does their friendship with her grow? And also what qualities and strengths do each of them bring to their adventures? 
So I'm going to read this passage first, and then I'll let you go on your thoughts because you actually, like, <laughs> going to read the passage did it. that we literally searched for. <laughs> yeah. And this is, so you kind of, like, talk about how their friendships grow and, like, qualities and stuff like that. But this is the this is the passage right here that I feel like they decided that they did not like Hermione. Yeah. So basically she's asking, who are they? And he says, Harry Potter, says Harry. She's like, are you really? Says Hermione. I know all about you, of course. I got a few extra books for background reading, and you're in modern magic history and the rise and fall of the dark arts and the great wizarding events of the 20th century. Am I, said Harry, feeling dazed? Goodness, goodness didn't you know? I have found out everything if I, if I could if I was me. I feel like that part there mm-hmm. made Harry very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and Ron just kind of went with it. <laughs> yeah. And then basically, like, she just kind of changed the conversation very quickly. Do either of you know what house you'll be in? I've been asking around, and I hope I'm in Gryffindor. It sounds by far the best. I hear Dumbledore himself was in it, but I suppose Ravenclaw wouldn't be too bad, a.k.a. the passage we were looking for. Yeah, literally. Anyway, we better go and look for Neville's toad. You two had better change. You know, I expect we'll be there soon. I feel like that entire passage was Hermione's first impression on both of them. Mm -hmm. One, that Harry got creeped out that she knew all about him. Yeah. And that, oh, you didn't find out any information about yourself? Also, um, you should change because I know we're going to be there. Right. That's the part where they were just like, all right, this girl is annoying. Yeah. She definitely comes across as a know-it-all. I think Carrie, I think you're right. I think Carrie is really taken aback by her, like, knowing literally everything about him. And I think Ron's portion of it is, yes, he's going along with Harry, but I think Ron has a complex to a lot of people that outshine him. And Ron is just kind of average, and I think he really resents people that are not average and that make him look average. And Hermione is definitely one of those people. I think also that this know-it-all personality kind of reminds them of Draco. Mm. And, like, Dudley almost Yeah, as well. and I feel like they got a little PTSD from that. They're like, oh, not again. I think as far as their friendship growing, they realize that this is probably just a weird personality quirk about Hermione. And they actually start to value it because it does come in handy. (laughs) Like, it's literally the whole series. Like, her being a know-it-all literally saves their life time and time again. Mm -hmm. I think, so, as far as answering the portion of, like, what do they specifically bring to the table in this friendship, I think Harry brings determination and strength. I think Ron brings loyalty and heart. And I think Hermione brings knowledge and skill which, like we were saying before, which is why I think Harry should be in Gryffindor, Ron should be in Hufflepuff, and Hermione should be in Ravenclaw. I, I agree with that. I also think as far as, you know, Hermione being a know-it-all and things like that, you also have to remember that Ron and Harry are purebloods, and Hermione is half. Yeah, she's got... Actually, she, no, her parents are non-magic not, yeah, at all. yeah. She's the first wizard in her, first, oh my god, first witch in her family. So I feel like her parents, like, they were dentists, so Mm -hmm. they were doctors. So, like, that's how they relate with, like, knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when they learned, when they got, when she got her letter, she needed to learn as much as she could because she was going to a school where there were purebloods. Mm -hmm. Because she knew about mudbloods and the stigma that came with it you know, type Mm -hmm. of thing. So it's almost, 
she felt the need to prove herself, I think is what right. a large so, portion of it was. Um, so let's move on into chapter seven. A little bit of a recap. In this chapter, the students are greeted by Professor McGonagall, who explains the sorting process. So each student will be sorted into the house of Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, or Slytherin. The students are then led into the Great Hall, and when their names are called, the students take a seat and the sorting hat on the sorting hat stool, and then they are sto- then mm, and then they are sorted. After sorting, the great feast takes place, and we learn about the house ghosts. During the feast, Harry begins to feel his scar burn and make eye contact with a teacher who happens to be Professor Snape, who is the potions master. After dessert, Dumbledore makes a welcome speech, and then the students sing the school song, and then they are dismissed to go to their houses. So, let's talk about our thoughts on this chapter. Where are the ghosts in the movie? Literally agree. My first thing that I wrote is peeves, all in capital letters. (laughs) If you only watched the movies and did not watch the books, you have no idea who peeves is. Yeah. And And that's that's a peeve of mine. (laughs) And that's a peeve of mine. I feel like the ghosts are very important to the history of Hogwarts, the lead up to all the houses and things like that. Because like, here's the thing. These ghosts honestly become such an important part. Like, nearly headless, nearly headless Nick becomes important in movie two. But like, mm-hmm. we don't really get to see who nearly headless Nick is. Yeah. We also, moving forward, we don't learn about the um, Fat Friar or all these other ghosts that honestly, like, they're so important moving down the line and we know nothing. Mm-hmm. I also, I also feel like the scenes as far as the sorting hat, the great feast and all that, I feel like everything was very rushed. Yes. I feel like the first movie was probably one of the rushed films. Yeah. I agree. Out of all of them. I feel like even in the extended version of the first movie, it's still rushed. It is. But then like the extended scenes like are just kind of pointless at the same time. No, it is. Okay, so you can't tell us how the Dursleys got off the shack, but you could put Harry and, I mean, Hagrid on the tube? What? Yeah, no, I like, completely agree. I think my biggest thing about this chapter was I hated how they did the sorting hat. Specifically, the sorting hat with Harry. I wish they would have done it. I wish they would have done it like they like she had described it in the book. First of all, I wish they would have let the hat sing his song because his songs are good. Okay, so rude. Second of all, I wished that the sorting hat... So in the film, basically, he's sitting on his head and you hear him talking aloud. So you get the feeling that, like, McGonagall hears it. Literally the whole, like, Great Hall can hear it. In the book, you get more of a sense that, like, maybe it's happening all inside of Harry's head or maybe he's just specifically whispering in Harry's ear so the only thing that people hear is when he announces the house. And I wish it right. would have been more like that because Harry in the film is like, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And like, that's all in his head. Right. But in the movie, they make it seem like he is literally sitting there in so front of all these students going, yeah. not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Yeah, I feel like and the movie is, is like what? kitschy. It's like very kitschy, you know? Yes. I hated it. Wish we would have heard the Hogwarts song. Rude. 
Yeah, I completely forgot about the Hogwarts song. That's how long. So I will watch the movies before I read the books. But, like, to be honest, like, I forgot there was a Hogwarts song and then they actually sing it. Mm -mm. The last thing and probably the biggest thing that I have a problem with about this chapter is that Harry's dream about Quirrell's turban is completely nowhere in the film. Like, I feel like that is a pretty key, pretty key information. I feel like they left it out because they keep pointing him towards Snape. They want that protagonist antagonist against Snape until the movie. So it's a surprise that I mean, you still get that in the book. Like, I don't think this dream is ruined. I feel, okay, here's the thing. I feel like when they were filming this movie, they were like, oh, hey, this is going to be a bunch of dumb kids and we can't just throw in random pieces of information. We need to make it straight lined as possible. Look, and we can't be as philosophical as we want to be, okay? This is I... a children's film. So I'm going to pause the episode really quick to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's literally the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will actually distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back into the episode. So chapter eight, we're moving on to Harry's new life at Hogwarts is very strange to him. Everyone is talking about him and the adults always seem to be around when he does something wrong or just like breathes. Um, Harry finds his classes interesting with the exception of history of magic, which I, first of all, I'm gonna stop right there because I feel like if you did not come from, he came from a wizarding family, but he was raised by muggles. Mm-hmm. I think how he is would that be, not fascinating? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's because he's a boy and boys don't like history, but yeah, I know I agree with you. I thought that was dumb. <laughs> Hagrid sends Harry an invitation for tea, and Harry discloses his thoughts that Professor Snape doesn't care for Harry all that much, which. Hagrid kind of like dismisses Mm -hmm. since Snape would have no reason to hate Harry. Notice the sarcasm in my voice. After noticing an article from the Daily Prophet, which I just realized they didn't say this in the book. They did not mention the Daily Prophet. It just says wizarding newspaper. Yep. Um, About the Gringotts being broken into, Harry leaves Hagrid's with a mind full of questions, which... I feel like this part should have kind of made it into the movie as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because he reads about the break-in at the breakfast table when Ron gets his mail. Right. None of this makes it into the movie. No. At all. Chapter 8 is just... No tea time. I mean, you have you have the conversation between, like, Harry going to his classes and having that interaction with Professor Snape. Mm-hmm. But, which I'm going to let you talk about because you went into this and I just got the too long didn't read version. We're about to go down a crazy spiral, guys. So, this is probably just like one of my favorite parts of this series and just like such a testament, testament to how much she truly thought about everything. So, let's dissect Snape's first words to Harry. 
And basically, he asks him, what do you get when you put powdered root of asphodel, sorry if I'm mispronouncing these words, um, into wormwood? So, according to Victorian flower language, I know you all speak that. (laughs) But basically, if you look at... Along with our Latin... Along with our Latin. (laughs) If you look at the roots of these flowers, asphodel is a type of lily, meaning my regrets follow you to the grave. And wormwood means absence and is also typically symbolized bitter sorrow. So if you combine that, it meant I bitterly regret Lily's death. Come on now. Let's go even further. Asphodel was once believed to be a cure for snake bites. Um, Okay, we know Valdi loved his snakes. So if you combine powdered root of asphodel and an infusion of wormwood, you'd brew a sleeping potion so powerful it is known as the drop of living death. So is Snape trying to tell us that the ingredients which his regret over Lily's Fate together reflects what his life is now, i.e. a living death. Yes. I'm just saying. You can't deny. Somebody who is listening to this has never thought about this and is going, oh It's blowing up their minds. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But it gets better. So the next question he asks is about a bezoar. Okay. What is that? We don't know. Harry doesn't know. Hermione does. Hermione's the only one of us that knows. Of course she does. (laughs) But basically, the bezoar is, which this is disgusting, but it's basically like a gallstone from a, like a sheep or a something that you take from the sheep, but it can cure basically any potions. When do we see that happening? In the Half-Blood Prince. When Ron drinks that stuff and Harry is like, oh my gosh. And he finds this little thing that always has reminded me of a date. (laughs) And he shoves Uh. it down Ron's throat. That's what that is. What? Which also just ties into the fact that Harry learns so much better from the Half-Blood Prince, but has the hardest time learning from Snape, but they're the same person. Third question that Snape asks him. What's the difference between monkshood and wolfsbane? Monkshood, so we find out that there isn't one. Like, Snape answers his own question and says, they're the same thing, joke's on you. But if we look at it, if we look deeper into the roots of the words, we find that monkshood is associated with chivalry, while Wolfsbane is known for, it can mean, like, misanthropy um, or a dislike for others, basically. So here, it could be said that Snape is comparing the heroic actions of Lily with Snape's own distrustful nature. A lily can be interpreted as beauty and elegance and sweetness. This striking flower is easy to grow as long as it is planted in the right place. 
They also, according to gardening manuals, make wonderful cut flowers. So enter Severus. His name can be seen to mean as to cut or to sever, Severus. And this is exactly what he inadvertently does to Lily's relationship with her sister Petunia. As two magical children, Lily and Severus had something in common that Petunia could never understand. And that compounded by Albus Dumbledore kindly rejecting Petunia's request to go study Hogwarts with her sister. So Lily's friendship with Snape set the scene for future Mrs. Dursley's endless bitterness towards Lily and her son Harry. And I got that from the Wizarding World website. But, um, excuse me? I was about to say. I was like, good lord, No, 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 no. (laughs) I, like, dove down deep. No, I, I knew... I knew that all these questions were loaded, but it's 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 just weird when you like actually like see what they truly mean. Right. And so the fact that from what this from what this says from the wizarding world, Lily and Snape grew up together. Mm-hmm. Why was that not mentioned? I mean, we do see a little we snippet. We see like a like little a, clip of it of them being in kids, the but right. And I think in the half blood prince book no 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 that's that's when he dies these are his memories yes why why do we not like see more of this i know i agree because this honestly like makes a full circle Mm -hmm. and i mean well that kind of just blew my mind a little bit yeah blows it up i I honestly like agree with all of that because it does make sense and now that you're going back and reading this like it makes 110 percent sense and you know snake that wasn't a sentence you know Snape is not someone who's just going to pull something out of his butt. Like the why right. would he a- why would he ask randomly those three questions? It's not random. It's not and it's directed directly to Only Harry. to Harry. He won't let anyone answer. Right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's crazy stuff. So, speaking of Snape in classes, which of Harry's classes was he looking forward to most? Astronomy, herbology, history of magic, charms, defense against the dark arts, potions, or transfiguration? Did that class, his favorite class, meet his expectations? And which class was probably the most important for a young wizard like Harry? And which would you most likely want to take? I forgot to answer the last two questions, but I'll just answer them on the fly. Um, so I think out of those options, it's Defense Against the Dark Arts. I don't think it met his expectations because Quirrell is a crappy teacher. (laughs) Do we Um, honestly get a good Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher until, like, year three? No. Nope. Even then? Remus Lupin was the best and he had his props. Um, anywho... Um, it does say, though, in Chapter 9, I know that's skipping ahead, but it does say that flying is what he was looking most forward to. So I think if you would, like, ask, that probably would have been what mm-hmm. the class that, like, he was most excited for. Um, but out of those options, I think it was Defense Against the Dark Arts. The dark Arts, yeah. I think the class that is most important would probably be that. Just, yeah, <laughs> you know, defense, Couldn't... self-defense is always very good to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, ah, what would you most like to take? I think between Defense Against the Dark Arts and Charms would be the ones that I would be excited to take. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, honestly, his class that he was looking forward to the most, I think in the beginning of the year, he was looking forward to flying, but once mm-hmm. closer to the end of the year, when they start learning things, like, I think Defense Against the Dark Arts, um, maybe even Charms, just because, like, he, we see in the beginning of the ch- beginning of the book, he's looking at a Charms book for, mm-hmm. like, revenge. So I feel like maybe he's thinking, oh, in Charms, I'm going to learn some stuff. Right. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, you know, if he was looking forward to Defense Against the Dark Arts, PQ was terrible. He was terrible. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. So, that's my thing. I, so I'm going to change my answer a little bit while I'm out onto it. So, I think, like, I know I said probably Defense Against the Dark Arts um, or Transfiguration just because interesting Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is it because I work with animals? Who knows? Do I want to change it to an animal? Maybe. So that way I could talk to them? Maybe. Um, Animagus. Yeah. I I don't know. But I think I would also add potions to that as well mm, because I fair. feel like that is a good It's a very practical building. class to have, yeah. It's a very practical class and, a class and it's also a very good building block for other things as well. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a chemistry class. You have to take it. Building block for everything. Yeah, I would not be good at potions. So this is my too long didn't read answer to okay. the question that you had above. Okay. But it's why does Harry believe that Professor Snape hates him, and what things does Snape do to perpetuate this? This so everything that you summed up about the questions earlier. This is my summed up version. Snape literally hates Harry because he's James's son. Uh huh. Literally the only reason. <laughs> but the thing is, is he also cares about him at the same time because of Lily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, everything that Snape does is because of Lily. Yeah. But the reason why Snape treats him like absolute garbage is because he is James' son. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, there is no other reason. Harry doesn't know that reason yet, though. Um, he doesn't know why <laughs> Snape hates him. Um, but it's definitely obvious that, like, Snape has a distaste for him. Like, you can't deny. Yeah. You might not know yet, but you're like, yeah, okay, he's got it out for him. Um, Snape is quick to point out Harry's fame in a negative light. He drills Harry with questions that only Hermione knows. Um, so I think it's safe to say that most first years don't know these answers either. So it's not like Harry is the only one that doesn't know the answer to these questions. Um, he also takes house points away from Harry willy nilly. Maybe not the first one because Harry is sassy. He's sassy. But the second one was definitely willy nilly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Snape takes away points, but Harry breathes and Dumbledore is like 150 points to Gryffindor. (laughs) That is That is true. It just kind of evens, it kind of evens it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's move on to chapter nine. Alright, chapter 9 recap. Um, We see flying lessons with the Slytherins, and it's not what Harry was looking for, because he did not want to be in Draco's company more than he has to. When Neville breaks his wrist and must be escorted to the infirmary by Madame Hooch, Malfoy notices something Neville drops and takes it off in his broom. You okay? Yeah, takes off on his broom. Oh, takes off on his broom, my bad. Okay. That's all. (laughs) 
Harry then goes after Malfoy, who throws it in the air, and Harry catches it and then lands safely on the ground. Professor McGonagall arrives and takes Harry to meet Oliver Wood, which, side note, what a dreamboat. Oliver Wood. Wow, what a cutie. Sarah Beth shaking her head. She don't agree with me. It's fine, though. More Oliver Wood for me. Um, he is the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. We also have a duel in this chapter that takes place between Harry and Malfoy that is completely loved out of the movie. But are we even surprised at this point? So, let's talk about our thoughts. I'm going to put my glasses take my glasses <laughs> take your, off. Take your glasses off. <laughs> I feel like this chapter I'm going to get to the point that a little bit because the thing that irritated me the most was the fact that McGonagall comes and takes Harry to meet Oliver Wood and just meets Oliver Wood. And he's like, hey, this is captain of the Quidditch, you know, the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And then it goes, it speeds on to Hermione obviously telling Harry, you know, basically about, you know, his dad being, you know, in Quidditch mm-hmm. and all that. That jumps to that. Then later in the chapter, it starts talking about how Harry has his first Quidditch lesson. Like, what mm-hmm. is going on in between? And the, but the thing that gets me the most is the fact that McGonagall's like, here, meet Oliver Wood. You already met Oliver Wood. Yeah. So that's a part of this chapter that got me a little, a little frustrated because a lot of it, it's that time jumping again, but it's not making sense. Yes. yes. Also. Because let's talk about, oh, you can go. You can keep going. No, you can go ahead. Well, just the whole time jumping thing goes into <sighs> the duel. It was the catalyst to them finding Fluffy. And in the film, it was like a changing staircase. Right. But it also, I feel like so this dumb. happens. I feel like that part in the book happens after. I mean, the part that happens in the movie, that happens before the troll. Right? It does. It does. I don't know where I was going with that, actually. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it takes place... Never mind. Just cut that part out. I don't okay. know. Okay. Don't so, know what I'm fucking so, my observations were what Neville, Neville forgot in the... Mori- mm, can't say that word. What Neville forgot in the Rememberal was the new... Gryffindor password. Of course it was. Because it was his robes the first time. (laughs) Right. Um, The duel shows more of Hermione being annoying, which makes more sense when the boys hurt her feelings in the next chapter. Or Ron more. It just kind of shows more of a tipping point. I feel like sometimes in the movie, it kind of just seems like, oh, she did one annoying thing and we're mean to her. You know? But her being like, no, I'm going to come with you or I'm going to stop you or her just butting into the conversation about the duel that she's really not supposed to be a part of is definitely Mm -hmm. annoying. Um, And then three, Neville is there when they meet Fluffy. Like, what the heck? That's not in the film. Like, no. And also, it just made no sense that the stairwell changed. They find Fluffy. They come back and Hermione's like, I'm going to leave before you do something that gets us expelled. And I'm like, okay, but they couldn't help the just staircase changing. <laughs> right. Like, that <laughs> like, didn't make any sense. Yeah, like, that line makes way more sense when it's the book. 
because they're going out to duel Malfoy and Malfoy screws them over. Like, that makes more sense for Hermione to be aggravated with them. Right, and it also, in the movie, makes it seem like it's from the charms class Mm -hmm. where she's the only one who can levitate the feather and that it's a series of events. You're missing a key point. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, it makes them look like Mm a-holes because they're just like, "Mm, Hermione's a know-it-all. Like, what? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So Professor McGonagall seems to favor Harry a bit, allowing him to join the Quidditch team as a seeker instead of punishing him for being up on a broom around the castle unsupervised. Why did the professor do that, and what other gift did she give him? I am literally laughing at your answer. (laughs) Um, So I think it's because she saw the talent that was reminiscent of James. Um, I also think that she probably feels sorry for Harry. McGonagall, she is a hard ass, but she also is insanely compassionate. And the more we get to know her, the more we see that side of her. Um, So I think, honestly, she does that a a huge portion because she feels sorry for Harry. And the gift is his first broom, which they don't really explain that in the film. They don't explain it in the movie. And she literally says, don't open it at the table. Mm-hmm. And he opens it anyway. And then mm-hmm. that, then that was, that's what starts the whole conversation of the duel. And like, that's what, that's takes off the series of events is because yeah. they're going to charms next and then all yeah. this other stuff. So this is what I was talking about this time jump, because I was just looking at it. Literally chapter 10 is talking about it, but it's like. There's so much time jump because yeah. it's, ar- it's it's already happened. It's so these these six chapters are so jumbled because like here in what chapter am I in? So like I'm sitting here looking at Halloween, which is chapter ten, but 10. it's like they're you know it's talking. Oh, I jumped I jumped too fast, but like it's you know it's here. She's you know, giving him, like, it was just too much time jump. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. I'm yes. Cool. No, it does kind make sense. I lost train of thought in the middle of talking. Um, so, yeah, honestly, Harry breathes and everyone treats him differently. I think, here's the thing. I always knew that Dumbledore knew something was up and knew that Harry was going to have to die. Mm-hmm. I think Dumbledore knew that from the beginning. That's a.k.a. the reason why he sent him to live with, you know, the Dursleys and just everything in general and just treated him differently just in general. Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, another thing that she's like, oh, hey, you should join the Quidditch team. is she was so concerned about Gryffindor winning Mm -hmm. the Quidditch World, like the Quidditch Cup or whatever, that, like, that was one of the driving forces that was took over like Harry being punished Mm -hmm. was where she was just more worried about her house winning and she was like oh we have another James James was great right he's gonna join the first year right that's my thoughts on it I mean Quidditch runs all of their lives so yeah it's almost like in the south with football like yeah you know what I'm saying so like if you have a freshman who doesn't normally start, but he's, like, really good. Guess who's starting the next game? That freshman. Because you're really only concerned about winning and you want that talent on the field. Right. It's the same. It's the same thing. 
She's more worried about her house other than, oh, look, it's Harry Potter. Right. But then we see, but then we see Draco in the next, in the next film just joining on, which is apparently only for like third years. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's just kind of like that type of thing where nobody actually follows up or cares about this when it comes to Harry Potter. Right. Chapter 10. Yeah. We're almost done, guys. We're almost done. So basically, I kind of jumped forward a little bit with chapter 9, but chapter 10 is basically where it takes place that Harry gets his first broomstick um, with a note that's summoning him to Quidditch practice. That's what I'm talking about, that, like, she's like, meet Oliver Wood. Okay, well, you already met Oliver Wood. Mm-hmm. So now we're fast-forwarding to Halloween. In Charms, students are learning about levitation, which I talked about earlier, which is the broom to the Charms lesson to the insult to all kind of things. Um... In Charm, students are learning about levitation, and only Hermione is able to perform the spell, which leads Ron to make a nasty comment, which she overhears. Later that evening, the Halloween feast takes place, where Professor Quirrell informs everyone that the troll is in the castle. He doesn't say it's in the dungeon, he says it's in the castle. Right. Discrepancy there. Harry realizes that Hermione does not know about the troll, and they head out to warn her about it. Boys being boys... They lock the troll in the girl's bathroom, only to discover that Hermione's in that bathroom. Using magic and teamwork, the three manage to knock out the troll, and this is where the point where the trio becomes friends. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? First of all, can we talk about weird, gray, creepy, old AF Professor Flitwick in the film? I mean, he dies after this film, so they recasted him. Oh, is that what it was? Same thing Damn. with Dumbledore. So I was about to say, so him and Dumbledore? Yeah, I believe so. Wow, they had rough luck. But also, I want to know what happens to sexy Dumbledore in Fantastic Beats. Like, what aged you so much? Look, I know. The, the fight with Grindelwald. <laughs> what aged Literally. you from thinking that three-piece fitted suits to Moo robes was the choice? God, I love Jude Law. Um, okay, that would make more sense if the actor died. I was just like, this makeup person was, like, going to town on Flitwick, and then all of a sudden, he's this, like, dapper, cute little angel with a handlebar mustache and a butt cut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what happened there? Hang on, let me, I'm trying to find out. I'm pretty sure the actor who played him first died. Uh, that um, would make a lot more sense. Either that or they were just like, this lo- This looks not working. <laughs> they were just like, we're going to change it up. Oh, God. Hang on. Um, he's really tiny. I'm just concerned because he's the head of our house. So I just, okay. Somebody got to well, look out for Flitwick. So they talk about him being like part elf, but uh-huh. then he goes from like goblin looking to like something else. Like it's very I weird. know. It's, yeah. Um, okay. But this like is actually a- giving me real Professor Flitwick thing. Oh, like not the actor. Well, look, yes. just look up on with IMDb. The, with the death of Richard Harris and his replacement by Michael Gammon, several characters received a new look. In Prisoner of Azkaban, Professor Flitwick was in the script. However, the new director wanted to use Warwick Davis, who, prefaced, who plays Professor Flitwick throughout the films. What the fuck? Does that make any sense? 
Well, that's. <laughs> Let's. I'm gonna see if the same person is billed. It is. It's the same person. <laughs> it's the same actor. Really? Yes. So why do they have the actor looking like so that? Wait. So wait, they so had Warwick Davis play pretty much everybody, every goblin, every little, everything, every little, yeah, every little man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh. We don't know if this was a request from Warwick Davis or from the new director who came in after Chris Columbus left the series. Now that makes more sense. That would make more sense. Maybe it was just that the new director wanted to change the looks feel to go along with the new style of Prisoner of Azkaban. Azkaban is very different from the film from Chamber of Secrets. That's fair. But like, did y'all honestly think that we were not going to catch that? I know. I think they but were just it, hoping. I think they were just hoping that people would think it was two different professors. But like, it's not because they call him Professor Flitwick <laughs> multiple times. But then also, like, y'all didn't think that we weren't gonna notice that Dumbledore changed. I, I mean, okay, well, he died. Y'all ha- really had different. no choice for that. But yes, I agree. I just thought that that was weird. My second observation was I wish the sassy Harry quote about Malfoy in his room would have kept in the film because I just love sassy Harry. I don't remember that, to be honest. The one, okay, so the one where they're sitting, where they meet Malfoy outside of the Great Hall on the stairs and Professor Flitwick congratulate, like, says congratulations to Harry about joining the team and he looks at Professor Flitwick and says, well, it's all because of Malfoy that I'm on the team. And, like, tells Professor Flitwick, like, so Professor Flitwick says congratulations. Harry goes, thanks. It's all because of Malfoy that I'm on the team. Professor Flitwick leaves, and Draco's like, um, what? And he's like, yeah, if you wouldn't have, like, messed around with Neville's Rememberall and I wouldn't have gotten it from you, I wouldn't be on the team. Y'all, I've read this book. I've listened to this book and I've watched the movie four times today. I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I've also read this series eight times. I have no idea what she's talking about. Watch. It's in she there. Like, copy pastes it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, farther down the way. Jesus. <laughs> no, but he does say that. I just thought it was funny. Like I said, I live for Sassy Harry. He's so I mean, did sassy. You, did you see my answer to my thoughts in this chapter? <laughs> she went, Draco is a snitch. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. That's my thoughts. Okay, so, like, I remember the conversation between Draco and Flitwick. Like, mm-hmm. I remember him being like, oh, my God, Harry has a broom. First years can't have a broom. Well, first yeah. of all, dude, you have a broom. Right. It's just you at just your house. You don't at school. Yeah, so you have a broom, too, so let's be quiet. Um, yeah, so Draco is a snitch. Snitches get stitches. I mean, that's that's how I feel about the chapter. Well, is that saying right there? That conversation that you're talking about, the last half of it is Sassy Harry. I, did I, I guess I just stopped reading? I, I guess. guess. I don't know. <laughs> did I, like, I don't know. I think I just gave up on that part. I don't know. Um. So, when the troll appears in the castle on Halloween, 
how did Ron's spell actually help save them? I mean, it levitates the club and it hits him on the head and knocks him out. But I mean, it's I re- not because I, Ron is skilled. I realized how like stupid this question was. <laughs> I know. Like, I was trying to I answer just put it later. That, I know. I like just put that and I was like, I mean, that's what happened. <laughs> Why do you have 56% there? So I wanted to say that we're 56% through the book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like we're a little bit more than that. No, because it keeps track on my thing. Oh. We're at 56%. Ooh. Congratulations, everybody. We're over halfway. <laughs> We're over halfway. We have one more episode. Um, Yeah, I just want to go back and say that let's mention that it was complete luck. Oh, 100%. Happened. Yeah. I mean. It's not because Ron was skillful. Right. I just, that was I, the only spell Ron knew. <laughs> I (laughs) and it was only because of Hermione I just I feel like it gets missed a little bit in the films and also in the book it's just like you can take it either way but like let's just mention that it's not because Ron was skilled right at all right that's my thoughts on chapter 10 no I agree with that 100% agree and now we're 56% of the way there (laughs) Yeah, so now we're 56% through the book. Um, We are going to be covering chapters 11 through 17 next week. So um, make sure to send us an email or a DM on your thoughts, um, basically on this episode and any questions or comments that you have for the rest of the book or just the book in general. Um, Also, we need to decide what we should call you guys. Yeah, what's our little community name? Yeah, we need to call you something, because everyone, we need something. So either say Bibbidi Bops. Bibbidi Bops. Um, Yeah, so make sure that you send in your suggestions for that, either on a DM or an email. That's all I really got. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's today's episode. That is chapters 5 through 10 of The Sorcerer's Stone. Yep. Thanks for listening. See you next week. See you next week. Well, that was it for today. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We drop new episodes every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. Everything will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.